And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise... You can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What is up, everybody? Welcome back, finally, to another edition of the State of the Nation podcast, getting ready for the 2022 season, getting ready for training camp. It kicks off less than a week. The Raiders, among the first teams that will open training camp, them and the Jaguars will be able to get going next week, uh, thanks to playing in the Hall of Fame game. So let's kick this off. Let's start talking about training camp. It's been a while since we've talked to you guys, been a while since we've had a podcast. And, you know, Raiders have, in recent weeks, they hired a new team president, Sandra Douglas-Morgan. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're getting ready to get going with camp. So how's everybody doing? Everybody fired up, ready for another training camp? Yeah, I feel better when I see the practice schedule. I hope we're not still practicing at, at 10 a.m., it's, a, it's 100 degrees out here right now at 10 a.m. And so if they start practice at that again, I, I might pass out. So hopefully we're back to the, the 7 a.m. practices from before. So I have to see you now. I hope they put you guys closer than uh, where you guys were sitting beforehand. That draw, that drawing uh, Vic uh, put on Twitter made it look like you guys could barely see anything. You know what? I don't like our chances, but you know, maybe we'll get a surprise. Vic's drawing is going to mean you guys are going to be like 10 yards further back. Yeah, probably will be in the parking lot, probably. But uh, whatever, we'll be able to see something, I guess. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the offensive line, man. The offensive line is, is obviously a huge story for the season, I think. So see who and winds up where and how they look will be uh, the big news for me when, when camp starts. I mean, you guys have written about it a lot this offseason. I mean, the offensive line really is the number one topic. Um, there are other position groups that we're going to discuss. There are other things. But, I mean, when you look at that offense, we know what they have in Derek Carr. We know what they have in that receiver group with Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. I mean, that trio, a tight end and two receivers is probably a, pretty close to as good as any in the league. They've got a, a solid running back in Josh Jacobs, and, and we'll see what they have uh, behind him. But so many questions come down to that offensive line. Colt Miller is going to be the starter at left tackle. But as you guys have written, really outside of that, nothing is 100% guaranteed. I think we can pencil guys in. There are questions. We got to see if Denzel Good comes back healthy from the ACL. John Simpson, you know, let's see what he is. Dylan Parham obviously was their third round pick, their top pick. You know, there's Alex Leatherwood, last year's first rounder, Brandon Parker. How do you guys expect this to to go? I mean, what, what do you expect? the Raiders to open camp with, and what do you think will be the offensive line by the time camp ends? Yeah, I think outside of Colton Miller, another guy that I would feel pretty comfortable putting in there is Denzel Good. I think if he's healthy and able to bounce back from that ACL, it's hard for me to see him not being their their top guard in their rotation. It's going to be similar kind of to, to the group they had in OTAs. They had Lester Cotton Senior out there, right guard, and I always felt like that was kind of a place filler just for Denzel Good when he's back. 
in the line of OTAs was, was Colton Miller, John Simpson, Andre James, you know, and then I would replace Leston Cotton Senior with Denzel Good and then have Alex Leatherwood starting at, at right tackle. And I think the, the position battle is kind of going to determine the offensive line as a whole is, is that Alex Leatherwood, Brandon Parker position battle, because unlike Alex Leatherwood, Brandon Parker doesn't have that guard tackle versatility. So if he ends up winning the right tackle job, then you imagine that bumps over Alex Leatherwood to, to competition for some of those guard spots. And so I think how that battle plays out is probably going to determine along the rest of the offensive line and, and the jobs that are open and how that all plays out. I wonder if um, Denzel Good starts at a right guard because he's pretty versatile and he has played both guard positions before. Because if the right tackle position doesn't work out for Alex Leatherwood, I assume he'd bump back down to right guard and they don't want him to move him to left guard where he has to learn, a, you know, another position which would make it more difficult for him and it just seems like good's versatility is is something that they could utilize by moving him to right guard yeah to me it's you know it's obviously a big mystery i think one of the big reasons why is because of the new coaching staff you really have no idea what they're thinking they're not showing their cards they're saying very like vanilla things and all their comments about leather would have been very vanilla so they, they kind of recited brandon parker that's kind of a hint they like him so i just think that um what they've done so far in OTAs doesn't really mean much as far as where guys were. That's why training camp is so important. Let you see what they really are thinking about where these guys fit in. And I think, um, to me, Parker Leatherwood, I think it's um, not only is it a battle for the right tackle job, I think it's also the loser gets a swing tackle position. I think I wouldn't, I mean, I'd be surprised they move Leatherwood back to guard at this point because it kind of, I think it picked the spot for him at this point. But uh, we'll see. That's why I think uh, training camp will be fun to really see what these guys are thinking about what they have, what they really think about them, because you'll see you know, new staffs come in and they have their ideas pretty much set in their mind. This guy stinks, that guy's good, that guy's fixable. And they were like, they're not going to tell us that, but we'll see in their actions the next month what they really think about these guys up front. Yeah, and the good thing about training camp is, you know, we kind of start, you know, as the weeks go on, some of those those extras start, start dropping off a little bit so we can, you know, the guys that, you know, aren't really going to be in rotation, aren't around anymore, so they can't really hide what the plans are at that point. So they kind of play around and mess with us in OTAs a little bit, I think. So I think in training camp, you know, as it progresses, we'll get a, a more clear-cut view of how they view things. Yeah, Ted, one of the interesting things you wrote in the offseason was you got a chance to watch some film with Mike Tice and kind of just, you know, really go through all the, the Raiders' offensive linemen. What were your biggest takeaways from, from talking to Tice, obviously the former Raiders' offensive line coach? He really liked Alex uh, Leatherwood and his athleticism, you know, the way he could bend for uh, a guy of his size, his explosions. So he was really bullish on how much Leatherwood can develop. And he, he wasn't too sure if he could, you know, bump back out to right tackle because, you know, when we were watching the film, obviously, he, uh, he, he didn't play too much right tackle. We were watching more the end of the season to the playoffs. But he, he at least thinks that he can uh, develop into quality guard. We're watching John Simpson. He made a lot of mistakes. I don't know if he improved as much as you would like him to for somebody that will eventually start left guard. But you know, this is a new regime. It's gonna they're gonna have a a clean slate. So when we're watching Andre James, he just did not like how physical Andre James was. I think Andre James got better at making his blocks, and you know, he would at least check the box of making his block, but he just didn't get a lot of push. I think a lot of that had to do with his height and just his footwork. So unless Andre James can get more physical at the point of attack, I think Parham, the third-round pick, might be able to push him for spot, especially if he could pick up the offense. 
You know, and I think the other storyline to watch here with the offensive line, we all know they've got, what, over $20 million in cap space now because of the post-June first cuts. They're going to go into camp with this group. They don't have to exit camp with this group. There are some veterans out there. Now, I mean, guys that are available still during training camp aren't going to be your, your number one options. But there are guys that could probably step in that are going to be a little bit more experienced that might be able to boost that offensive line. We know there are veterans out there that don't mind kind of this playing this game of, of sitting out through OTAs and then joining the team during training camp. Vic, Deshaun, what, what do you think are some options there? And do you think that's realistic that maybe we get two weeks into training camp, they're underwhelmed with what they're getting out of this group, and they go ahead and say, all right, let's spend a little of that money that we have? Yeah, I think it's definitely an option. I think definitely there are guys. There's some veteran tackles who are still available. Like there's a couple of guys who played out on the Bills last year. And is Darren Williams his name? I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Darren Williams. But there's guys out there. And also, you can even go to when uh, the waiver, when guys get waived before the year starts, there are sometimes guys who become available who you like. So it could go down to the very end. I think they're not. Again, we don't really know how much the coaches like these guys. Like, do, what do, they, do they like John Simpson at all? I, I have no idea. So I think we don't really. It's hard to say what their need is for these positions, but um, on paper, definitely, it looks like they need some help. So I think definitely you look at what's available and the money you have. They have some money, now, like you said. So I think it's definitely a possibility. Yeah, I like Daryl Williams. You know, I know he didn't he didn't have his best season last season, but he's a you know a guy who's throughout his career he's had that guard tackle versatility and playing right tackle, not left tackle. You know, he's a guy who can give them a little bit of insurance. You know, if Maybe, you know, they, they hate the right tackles, they can slide him over there. Or if they, they're weaker at guard than they thought they were, they can slide him there. Um, or if injuries come up throughout the season, which the last two years they have for them, he's a guy that could play in multiple spots, and that's always useful, obviously. I think outside of him, maybe like a guy like Riley Reef. He's he's kind of mostly been a left tackle throughout his career, but he's played some right tackle, and maybe he could. He's an older guy, so it's more so about health with him and, and whether he can hold up throughout a season, but that, that's another option. And these are all guys that, like you said, at this point, they wouldn't rank the bank. You know, really there's there's not too many free agents still out there that would be a significant signing, I guess you could say, in terms of how much money they're, they're spending. And so, you know, especially if those guys are cheap um, and, and the early returns from training camp aren't what they expect, it can't hurt to bring another guy in. I think why that will be kind of interesting to monitor is just to see how the Ziegler-McDaniels regime approaches this season. You know, they're in this position where when you trade for a guy like Devontae Adams, you give up a couple of first round picks. That is a go for it move. But then you're a regime that's in your first year. And usually, you know, most regimes in their first year, they're, they're a little bit easing into it. You know, they don't have they haven't had a chance to, to fully put their stamp on the roster. You know, the Raiders have made some big moves, obviously, Devontae Adams, Chandler Jones, and then, you know, some other moves around the margin. So to me, like whether or not they try to make a move to bolster that offensive line, if it's not looking good, kind of signals like, all right, do we feel the pressure like year one, we want to be a contender or are we kind of more sitting in like, all right, let's kind of hold on to our resources and let's see how we can build this. So that's going to be interesting because they've made some moves that would indicate go for it. But we know, like Vic, you especially know this, that this is a big reason why you question whether or not Derek Carr would get an extension is because doing those kind of moves put you in the go for it move. And a lot of times a new regime does want to have a chance to sit back and evaluate where they're at and, and make moves that they want to make. Right. But I do think the Adams and the Challenge Jones signings definitely indicate they're pushing the, you know, the go button for whatever a go button is. They're pushing the, uh, <laughs> they're pushing the green button. I think they're going for it. I think 
Especially now, like we talk about the offensive line, the fans talk about it. I think they know that this is obviously their most glaring question. So if it all falls apart this year, if they made all these moves, they don't get to the playoffs because the line was up to par, it's back on them. Like, you know, it was obvious. You guys, this was the area you guys didn't address and now it kind of came back to bite you. So I think they're aware of that. So, again, it comes down to their, their confidence in their coaching staff, their confidence in Brandon Parker and Leatherwood, and, again, the ability to get someone to fill the need if those guys don't measure up. So I think they know this. I think that's why they have this money now. I think they'll be aggressive if they realize the O-line will be a problem going forward. I do want to talk a little bit about the running backs because, you know, we, we know Josh Jacobs, they did not pick up his option. Um, and I, I think we largely expected that when the option did come in a couple million dollars less than uh, that originally projected, we thought maybe there's a chance, but just the way the Patriots operate running back by committee, it kind of made sense that they wouldn't. They draft Samir White, and I know, Vic, you think that he could have a fairly big role pretty early on. I mean, what do we expect out of that running game? Um, I mean, Josh Jacobs is going to be the lead back when healthy, but how much are they going to lean in in this committee? They bring in Brandon Bolden, who they've obviously worked with, with the Patriots. Uh, You know, he's a guy that can catch a lot of passes out of the backfield. And and as much as Josh Jacobs at times has been hyped up, was hyped up by Gruden as a guy who could catch out of the backfield, the way they used him out of the back, so it kind of showed that they never really felt a lot of confidence in him being that guy. You know, in terms of personnel-wise, like they don't have an amazing running back room, but it's a pretty well-balanced one. I mean, you have Josh Jacobs. He's a pretty skilled runner between the tackles. Kenyon Drake, you know, can be who's expected to be back in training camp. Um, you know, he's more of that receiving type guy or, or outside the tackles kind of, you know, big play hitter. And Zamir White is kind of like another speed to power guy. And Brandon Bolton is your, your third down back kind of taking on that. Jalen Richard role of being a pass blocker and a guy that can catch out of the backfield. For me, it's really about the offensive line. I know we just finished talking about them, but, you know, if you have nowhere to run, it, it doesn't matter who you have back there. You know, theoretically, you know, I mean, they're, they're really not going to have, you know, the averages aren't going to be great. The efficiency isn't going to be great. You know, they can scheme up, you know, Joshua Daniels has got it. They use a lot of different kind of blocking schemes in the run game. But if those guys just suck up front, I mean, it's not going to be good for the running backs this year. So it's kind of, they're almost reliant on the big guys. Derek Carr at this golf tournament last week was talking up Josh Jacobs, how he's going to have a big year. And that's nice to hear, but uh, just on paper, it doesn't make, a, I mean, it doesn't seem like that's the obvious equation because they mentioned they didn't give him the money for, for his contract going forward, which to me is a, a red flag. They dropped their running back, you know, fourth in the fourth round, a guy who had some injuries. Otherwise, he probably would have gone earlier in the draft. So he's a guy they like who might be, I mean, Josh Jacobs has some injury problems. I mean, I'm not sure. Is he clearly better than Zamir White right now? Probably, but I'm not saying it's. De- I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's definite. I'm not saying in the coach's mind is definitely that he's a better option going forward this year. So, again, we'll see in camp. But um, to me, I, I think Josh Jacobs is not going to have the big fantasy year that uh, people might want. I'm still a big Josh Jacobs believer because we saw what he could do with some decent blocking as as a rookie, and I think that that ability disappeared. I think last season he developed some bad habits because the offensive line was so bad, you know, dancing behind the line of scrimmage, trying to do too much, things that he really didn't do, you know, throughout his career in college and early in his career. So I think with some better blocking and, you know, he had some holes and get downfield and, and break tackles downfield instead of behind the line of scrimmage, I think he can have a big year. But I mean, even if he does have a big year, I still don't think that the Raiders will bring him back because of uh, injury concerns. That's just... You know, all the games he, he he's missed uh, throughout his career is just too much to pay a running back. You know, running backs hardly get gets paid in today's NFL, and especially if you're missing games, this, I don't think it's going to happen. Even 
if he, he does break out and, and stay relatively healthy this year. I think one thing that'll that'll help the running backs, though, is just the passing game theoretically being so much more of a threat this season with Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. You know, if he's healthy this year after missing a lot of time last year, you know, defenses are just going to, you know, there's going to be more, I would imagine, two deep coverages where they have to keep the safeties back and they're not able to load up in the box. Kind of last year, you know, after, you know, the Henry Ruggs incident, you know, they didn't really have the same receiver core and, and people didn't have to re- respect them deep as much but now this year I mean good luck if you leave a single high safety and, and you know you have Adams Renfro and Waller going downfield you know bad things are going to happen for you as a defense and so I think just that teams having to respect the pass more and in a deep game more will, will probably help out the run game as well and I think my biggest concern with Jacobs and this is where you know Vic maybe Zamir White could kind of overtake him is that even when Jacobs has been in his best he's not a home run hitter he doesn't break long runs he does He's not going to take a, a run 50 yards to the house. He just hasn't shown that ability. I mean, even the 20-yard runs are few and far between. And that's what I think has been a big thing missing from this Raiders running game is that you don't – we all know the blocking is partially to blame. But, you know, you look at earlier in his career when they had a, a veteran offensive line, he still wasn't that guy. He wasn't a home run hitter. And so, you know, if Zimmer White, you know, he, he ran off, I think, a 4-4-40. If he can be, you know, a home run hitter – who can also, you know, run between the tackles and, and, and you know, play with some physicality. That could be what, what allows him to elevate. But that's just one element that I think has just been missing from this running game for so long is that they don't have a guy that you give him a crease, he breaks a tackle, and he could be gone. Other positions of concern, I mean, let's turn over to the defense. And, and I think when we talk about offensive line as being the biggest concern on the offense, I think defense, uh, we look at safety and, and we know they've got Trayvon Merrick back there, but um, – you know, the other safety position, it's, it's Deron Harmon, it's Jonathan Abram. Harmon is, you know, a guy, a, a solid, you know, veteran, you know, guy who's probably not going to, he's not going to be a pro boy. He's not going to, you know, make a, a ton of crazy plays, but, you know, he, he knows the Patriots defense, obviously. And then you got Jonathan Abram, first round pick who has struggled to stay healthy. And when he's been healthy, you know, he, he's limited. He's more of a, he's a box safety. He's a, you know, kind of extra linebacker type who has not been able to play in the deep part of the field. A lot of people wanted the, the Raiders to make a move there at safety to bring in, you know, somebody more dynamic. They didn't. If there's an area on the defense that we're most concerned about, you know, they've got that pass rush that we feel really good about, uh, especially on the edges. But back there at safety, that is the biggest area of concern defensively, I'd say. I think I would expand it even just to say defensive backs, because the Trayvon Mullen injury is really scary to me. I mean, he's had two operations on the same foot based on that Instagram picture that he posted a while back in less than a year. And, you know, he's not a guy, his first couple of years, you know, he's pretty reliable in terms of being on the field, but a foot injury like that, that's clearly lingering, um, you know, who knows if he's going to be back in training camp or for the start of the season. Um, you know, Rockison, um, you know, he kind of had some ups and downs with the Colts, um, speaking to people from there. And Anthony Everett last year was really his first year as a full-time starter with the Ravens. He played pretty well, but, you know, can he sustain that here with the Raiders? And so I think Outside corner, I mean, Nate Hobbs, I think we know what he is at Nickelback, but I think outside corner is a little shaky, mostly because of the health of Trayvon Mullen. And then at safety, like you said, with Jonathan Abram, you know, Patrick Graham, he calls for, you know, he does use a box safety. Um, he has those kind of those, those formations that he uses, but he also calls for his safety to be able to play deep and, and fill other roles. And Jonathan Abram just hasn't been able to, you know, do that so far in his career. And, you know, Deron Harmon can, he's more versatile, but he's 31 years old. He's starting to slow down. He's always just been like, you know, a decent tier player. You can get by with decent safety play, especially if Trayvon Moore takes a big, a big leap. But I think you know, combination of, of corner, outside cornerback, and strong safety are, are both positions where they, they they should be a little bit concerned at least 
with what we know going into training camp. I think Harmon definitely is a safer option. He's a veteran guy who's solid and definitely um, can get beat at times deep because he's not a great athlete, but um, Abram is more explosive. But I think this coaching staff, just based on what we've heard about in the past, I think they're going to be a little more conservative as far as what they want to do as far as guys they're relying on. So I definitely see the veteran guy being a step ahead of the younger guy who may or may not make mistakes um, too often. So I think Harmon's the guy to watch there. I think Averitt's interesting. I think he's a guy that they reach for in free agency pretty early on. They must like him. And as far as Mullen goes, to me, even when he was healthy, he wasn't really a proven guy. He's good. I mean, he's fine. But is he is he really a guy who can be a difference maker in, in a secondary? I'm not sure he can, even if he's healthy. So, again, we don't really know what the, the new staff thinks of these guys who they inherited. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they think of him, really, uh, going forward. A player that's kind of a that could be a wild card if he does develop it is Tyreek Gillespie. You know, he he was a guy who was touted as a really versatile athletic safety that could do some of the things that Morig does. But obviously, in his rookie year, he was mostly injured and didn't really get a chance to establish himself. So I'm curious to see what he he could do in training camp, and you know, maybe he could be kind of a wild card to to win a starting position if he could stay healthy and and prove that he, he could play deep and and be versatile. Yeah, he was sort of in and out throughout OTAs. They never really, I mean, they didn't, they didn't have to, but we didn't find out if there was some kind of injury issue or something that was going on there. Yeah, let's see if he can, he can stay on the field. Was, last year, we really had no idea what he was because he was never out there. It's how some special teams plays here and there. So, yeah, that could be a dark horse maybe at that safety spot. I think it's pretty... I think it's going to be pretty, pretty open at that, that spot opposite of Trayvon Morick. I mean, why wouldn't it be? None, none of the guys that they have at the other safety spot are like just a, a clear-cut favorite to where they wouldn't try on multiple guys. Also, my guy, Dallin Lovett, he's still in the mix. So forget uh, about oh, yeah. You just got everybody to turn off the podcast, man. Come on. I'm Dallin Lovett, man. Guy's a solid veteran player. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. What do we think about this team's runs defense? You know, they gave up, like, looking at it, I think 4.2 yards per carry last year. You know, they've signed a million different defensive linemen. We know what they've got on the edge in Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. And, you know, one thing I think probably not talked about a ton in terms of Max Crosby's breakout 2021 season is, like, obviously, you know, leading the league in pressures. He, he was incredible taking his pass rush to a different level. But I thought he, he really, really improved as a run defender. He was, um, I mean, not probably in an elite category or anything, but I mean, he was solid. He was making plays against the run. You know, what do we think about this team's run defense? Are they going to be able to stop um, other teams that try to run the ball on them? I mean, we know it's a passing league now, but uh, you know, the Raiders have struggled in the past uh, being able to defend the run. How, how do we feel about 
you know, with Patrick Graham's defense, uh, Denzel Perryman in the middle of that linebacker group, are they going to be a, a solid run defense? I mean, they signed 25 defensive tackles, so I hope so. I mean, you know, most of the guys and most of the defensive tackles in, in, you know, in terms of their ability, they're more run stoppers than pass rushers. I would say Bilal Nichols is really the only guy with like some notable pass rush juice that they've added so far in terms of the defensive tackle. You know, they brought back Jonathan Hankins, and we know what he is as a run defender, but they also have some young guys that they brought in, like Neil, Neil Farrell, Matthew Butler, um, and some others that are, you know, known for run defense. So, you know, I, I think with them kind of playing as multiple defense, 3-4, four, 4-3, four, um, it, might, it might depend which package they're in in terms of how strong the run defense is. But um, And then at, at the next level of linebackers, you know, we, we've seen what Denzel Perriman can do um, last year when he's healthy. Um, Devon Diablo isn't as strong against the run, but then they, they brought in Kenny Young is the other one that, you know, he's a pretty solid run defender. So I think their front seven, you know, is pretty well equipped in terms of stopping the run. You know, Max Crosby made some some big strides last year, you know, defending the run. Chandler Jones, is, he's, he's kind of he's, he's kind of small a little bit for, for a true you know defensive end. But, you know, he's very aggressive, obviously, as a pass rusher. And that can lead to some some big gaps being open on his side of the field. Um, especially with them being, you know, still being a, a nickel-heavy team this year and not having a lot of guys stacked up on that second level. If they have one of those breakdowns, it could mean pretty bad things for the run defense. But I think it'll probably be better than, than, than last year just based off of their personnel being more geared towards the run. And you forgot about Klee. You forgot about Klee, the big ones. They're oh, running stop and defensive end. I don't think he forgot Vic, about Vic it. Vic is checking all the boxes. Down I have. Klee Farrell. It's a tra- training camp Ooh. special, man. Training camp preview. Um. I like their approach at, at, in run defense. I think they signed, like Deshaun said, 25 guys. But a lot of guys who are veteran run stoppers in this league, guys who that's kind of how they make their money. And they signed a bunch of them, like especially up front, a lot of uh, big bodies up front. They're going to compete. And I think you have, like, you know, you find guys who can come in and rotate. And, and really that will be their main focus is, is stopping the run. So I think those guys have pretty good pedigrees. I know, like, you have, like, Bigger names like Indomitian and Sue begging for a job, and that's that's fine and all. But I think for a job, this team this team needs. Do you, do you send the private jet? Is he for, begging for, for a Sue? job? He was. You see him on TV. He's like, oh, I want to go. I want to go to the Raiders. I want to go here. Somebody, hey, I'm here. Send the jet. Send the jet. Somebody sign. Send the jet. Somebody sign me. I like the guys who brought in the no name guys who clearly have a mentality that their 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 role is to stop the run. That's what this team needs. Kind of a kind of build that identity up front. You have the the flash outside and Max and Chandler, but you need the guys, the beef inside to get the job done. I think they definitely address that. And I like that approach. Jones um, in the past has been, you know, he has years where he, he played like an elite run defender, especially when he was with the Patriots last year, he, he did drop off as a, as a run defender, but I think he can tap into just focusing on becoming a better run defender. And he's done it in the past. So that could be an upgrade on, on that side. And we, we know in Gakwe, that was just never his, his forte to be good against a run. It's going to be a different philosophy. Last year, it was a single gap defense. Guys were going upfield. And that's kind of a you know a, a gambling uh, mentality. Like, we're going to go upfield and, and try to get a, a, the running back on the way to the quarterback if we can. Um, and sometimes you, you would get you know TFLs and other times you would get these huge gaps. But this year is going to be more of a gap and half mentality where guys are going to control the line of scrimmage and and not fly upfield. So uh, I think that approach will help this team as far as run defense. And that's why they signed these bigger defensive linemen to be able to control those gaps instead of just flying upfield. So I think that focus will help this team in run defense. All right, let's take some questions here before we get out of here. We'll start with this one from Aiden M. 
So Sandra Douglas Morgan seems very impressive. The roster looks good and with a few additions could be very good. The coaching staff seems good too. Mark Davis seems to be learning from past mistakes and bringing things forward. I know everyone is better and happy in July, but do things seem pretty damn good? We've got an optimistic, <laughs> optimistic. I was waiting for a turn. I was like, oh, this is very positive. <laughs> this is, this is, yeah. If we can't be optimistic in July, then what the hell are we doing here, right? The offensive line's the concern, you know, a little bit in the secondary. I mean, everything's not perfect. The division's tough. They could go nine and eight and finish in last place, like lit- literally. I mean, I think that's that's how good this division is. You could go nine and eight and finish in last place. But, I mean, you've got to be excited about adding a guy like Devontae Adams. And you can put the best receiver in football onto a team that already has, you know, Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, and and you know his rapport with your quarterback is going to be great. you got to be excited. So, I mean, I think no reason to not feel pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it should be an elite offense. Even the offensive line problems are concerns aside. I mean, the way this team is built with Adams, Waller, and Renfro, and Derek Carr gets rid of the ball very quickly. And these three guys will be open immediately. So even though the line is not a huge pressing need, that it might be because you're getting rid of the ball very fast. You're thinking this offense. So, so I think the running game is fine. We mentioned to the guys, you have guys in place who can get the job done. So the offense, to me, should be a top five offense. If it's not, then... They made some mistakes this year. So I think that alone is reason to be fired up. You mentioned the new president. That's very exciting. And Well, that's you mentioned Mark Davis is doing good. She, um, everyone, everything's positive, like you said. And, and, but I think the offense alone is enough reason to really be excited if you're a Raiders fan. Yeah, outside of PTSD, there's really no reason not to be excited right now. I mean, you have nothing to complain about, really. I mean, every, every roster is going to have its weaknesses and holes. You know, if you want to nitpick, um, you could pick apart any team that you wanted to, really, in the league. So... This is naturally what you do as a fan, I guess. But unless they just get off to a bad start to the season or something, you should be pretty hyped this time of year. I mean, it's a very modern approach to put a lot of resources into creating an elite passing game. And, you know, I, I think the Raiders have done that, bringing, bringing in the best receiver in football. Josh McDaniels has proven to be, you know, at least a top, a top 10 play caller in the league. So you're going to have offense. It's going to be fun to watch this offense. And, um, you know, I, I think... Having a strong passing game is going to give you a chance in in, in in every game. So it's going to be fun to watch some shootouts. I forgot last year. Did you have John Gruden a top ten play caller last year? Probably. Oh yeah, I'm sure. John you Gruden. No, uh, we you know we we talked a lot about his uh, short yardage uh, play calling as being a huge problem, and that, it, it's been true. So it's upgraded. If, if, if we check the tape, I bet he they, I bet he called him a top they've up, play caller. They've upgraded. They've upgraded a play caller. So Vic, Vic has checked Don Levitt, Cleefero, and now we have John Gruden. Are there any others? Mike Mayock, has he been brought up yet? Keep, keep wanna... watching, man. Keep <laughs> listening. <laughs> we, can, we get, can we get some uh, Mark Bedane takes from you? Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, to bring us back down a little bit, Glenn C., is it possible uh, that Raiders will have a worse record uh, than last year, even with fielding a better team? That would be due to the brutal schedule. And that's what I referenced earlier. I mean, I it wouldn't shock me if this team – is nine and eight and finishes in last place. I mean, I, the 10 and seven record from last year, it, that's probably what I would be if I were making my prediction right now, which I'm not yet, but 10 and seven is probably what I'd predict about the same record. And, and you hope that's good and probably good enough to make the playoffs. You would hope to see them fall to, to nine and eight, eight and nine, but maybe have a better team. Wouldn't shock me. Like the division got better. So at the fact that in like the team, like you said, team could be better, but everybody else in AFC West, except for you could debate the Chiefs, you know, but the Chiefs are so far ahead of everyone that they can be a little bit worse and still be better. So it's just, it's, it's, it's such a tough division. Like you said, nine and eight, 
could be fourth place. And then they have the NFC West as the division they play this year, which is probably the other top. Their schedule is, is pretty is pretty strong. I'm, I'm not sure what, where they are in terms of strength schedule, but but they have to be up there. And I mean, they were ten. I think they're like a ten win team, just like you. And that's what they were last year. It only takes one game. You know, they had what five five overtime wins last year. You know, it just takes one or two of those, and they and don't make the playoffs. So. I think they're going to be like kind of in that range, nine to eleven wins. I don't see them being like a, a eight and nine. I, I I would be like something would have to go wrong. I think for them to have a losing record this year, like very wrong. Like I'm pretty I'm pretty confident they're going to be. I guess you can't be five hundred anymore, but over five hundred this season. So we'll see how the division breaks. Maybe that's still good enough to make the playoffs. And you know the AFC in general is loaded, so I think the bar is going to be pretty high. You know, ten eleven wins is probably what you're going to need. But you never know how this shit is going to go. No excuses, man. I don't hear about the division. I don't hear about the schedule. Better roster, show a better record, go farther in the playoffs, or else this year was a bust. I mean, it's still a bust, but like the other three quarterbacks in the division, Andrew or yeah, Drew Luck is now gone. So now it's now it's Drew Luck is now gone. <laughs> so now it's Russell Wilson. Justin yeah, Herbert and Patrick Mahomes that you're going up against. Now nah, the Chiefs lost Tyreek Hill, so they're they're worse than they were last year. Not Patrick Mahomes. The Chargers uh, coach is, a, is kind of a weird dude. I don't know what his deal is. He kind of thinks he's bigger in the game. They're not great. Well, the Broncos, give me the Broncos, give me a break. So I think the roster set up. The coaching staff has everything they need right there to make a, a historic season for the Raiders. Vic's got him winning the division by your playoff tickets, first home playoff game in uh, in Allegiant. Uh, and Vic's buying everybody. Raiders beer. going undefeated, according to Vic. Historic season. <laughs> Speaking of Vic buying beer, we're going to go to Tyler D. Tyler D. Whose development is more critical to the Raiders moving forward this year, the offensive line or defensive secondary? He's he's already in with our theme of those being the two biggest topics. And then he also asked, what was Vic's favorite new beer he tried during the offseason? This is referencing uh, your tweet to Dane Brugler. And is it just me, or does Hard Knocks feel like 37 years ago? Let's start with a hard-hitting question, Vic. Your favorite new beer you tried this off season? Great question. I don't really. I'm not like a guy who has one of those beer apps. You write everything down, so um, none really stood out that much. I, mean, I always go back to I'm a, I'm a great white beer guy. That's always my, my. I go back to that one. So uh, I don't have any exciting new beers that I tried. They're all were fine, but um, usually I wind up drinking Woodford at the end of the night, so it kind of blocks out the beer memories. But um, Back to the other question, what was the question? The O-line, the O-line to me is obviously the bigger question mark. I think Harmon's, at the very worst, Harmon's solid. So I'm not sure there's a huge horror story in the, at the safety spot. I think the O-line, it could be. I mean, if these guys don't pan out, then there could be a problem that leads to other problems. So I think the O-line clearly, to me, is a bigger issue than the secondary. I will answer the last question of, of yes, Hard Knocks does feel about like 37 years ago. That, that I mean, the whole Antonio... Brown era went by in such a flash that was uh it, it does seem it, it seems at least like 10 years ago i just had antonio brown feet flashbacks terrible <laughs> oh so horrible you look up in the morning and look at your phone and what, what that fool did on instagram like oh my god just every day it was something new it was just uh that was a horrible month speaking of beer i was in so i was on a trip to canada recently and i was in my airbnb in vancouver in the fridge they just had like four beers and like one of them looked like some, I don't know what the fuck it was called, some Canadian beer. I was like, oh, maybe they do it different up here. Let me, let me see if this one tastes tastes like something that's digestible. And I, I, it was late at night, like at 3 a.m. I cracked it open, took a sip and poured that shit down the sink. It's not any different. It sucks. I still hate beer. I regret trying that and I'm retired again. So I, got, I got one for you. There was a friend of mine who's gluten-free. There's a gluten-free brewery in Oakland. And I tried their hazy IPA. 
And it was really, really good. I wish I knew the name of the brewery. but So look it up. There's a hazy IPA for a gluten-free brewery in Oakland that's really, really good. So that's my surprising new beer pick. I don't think I've drinking any new beers. I uh, drink a lot of Red Stripe and Turks and Caicos. And uh, Turks and Caicos has one brewery that makes their own stuff. Uh, they have this one, uh, just like a lager. I ain't going to lie. It goes really nice on a golf course. Um, drink a lot of those on on a golf course. Uh, but nothing nothing new really exciting. All right. Uh, a couple more questions here. Anthony F., you're going to like this one, guys. Who is the best of the backup quarterbacks? And is that person capable of leading us to the playoffs? What? The car goes what down. No. Wow. I wasn't wow. expecting that second part. <laughs> Vic, break wow. down Chase Garbers for us and how he is going to be the anti-Connor Cook, and he's going to lead the Raiders on a playoff run if Derek Carr goes down. I'm a Cal guy, so I always root for my Cal guys, but uh, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you about Chase Garbers. He's not He's not the answer. So um, one of my other choices, Jason Stidham. Jared, Jared, Jared Stidham. I was going to call him Jason Statham, the, uh, the action star. Jared Stidham and Nick uh, my guy, Nick, Nick Mullins. Mullins. That's it. I'm like, what about uh, that's it? those are my four guys? Oh, ah, jeez. I will go with Nick Mullins is the best of that lot. And no, he cannot lead the Raiders uh, to the playoffs if Carr goes down. Yeah, Nick Mullins is the best. And it depends. Does, does Carr go down in, in week 18? Then technically... He might just, you know, they might have clinched the playoffs by then. Maybe he led them to the playoffs. You never know. There's a comfort factor with, you know, Stidham because he's been in the Patriots system. Does he lead them to wins in the playoffs? Because, oh, you know, we saw them. No. We saw Connor Cook play in the playoffs for them. I think that's the point is, like, if this guy has to be our quarterback in the playoffs, can he Can he do it? That's why you worked out Colin Kaepernick, see? You got to his way. You bring him yeah, in? Yeah, the, the backup option. Bring him in if things go go hazy. If Carr goes down like in the, the playoffs, just be happy to be there and look ahead to the next season. They've already done. They've already went went through that. We don't want that again. All right, I think we got a question here. Looks like from France. Uh, Charles B says, "Happy Bastille Day, State of the Nation." I saw ESPN rated Adams as the number one receiver in the league. This is amazing, but also as a younger Raiders fan, I hate to see any high expectations where they always fall short. Do you? Do any of you see Devontae taking a step back this year with Carr and this uh, offense instead of with Aaron Rodgers? This fan base is so scorned. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, that's why that first question, you guys were just waiting for it to turn. Like, wait, waiting for the to go past. I think his numbers won't be as crazy just by them having better weapons alongside him. You know, he in Packers, I don't think he's had a number two and number three as good as Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. I can't remember a year. Maybe they did at some point. He hasn't. Probably. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and Derek Carr isn't Aaron Rodgers. So, I think that. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know. We got to get the Josh Jabal breakdown of of Derek Carr. Yeah. So, I I think his his numbers will go down, but I don't think. Devontae Adams is suddenly not going to be Devontae Adams. I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect that. I think it'll be fine. I think one thing we all have seen in the past is that when Derek Carr has a, a veteran receiver he totally trusts and has faith in, it, it's a great connection. And this guy is the epitome of that. This guy has been playing catch with for, for 15 years. So I think um, they'll be in sync and they'll be, uh, be fun to watch on third downs and in the red zone. So I think Adams will have a big year. This should be Carr, Crabtree, but at another level, right? Yeah, I just don't think his numbers are going to be as insane as they were in Green Bay just because you don't have to force him the ball in double teams like they did in, in Green Bay. And and Rodgers is, you know, he's amazing at doing that. I don't think that's part of Carter's game, you know, throwing into double teams. You know, you don't have to do that. If he gets double team, you could throw to Darren Waller. You could throw to Hunter Renfro. So you just won't see those crazy target numbers. He's still going to have an elite year, in my opinion, though. Week one, 
Devonta Adams is going to be like Darren Waller in week one of last season where they just, where he does just throw into double teams that he, he treats Darren Waller as the only receiver on the field and throws it to him. What, what was it? 20? Was it 20, 22 times? Something like that. We're going to see so many back shoulder. And Vic questioned Gruden about it. Gruden, That's right. Gruden wanted, wanted 10 more targets. Me- me- memories. Uh, we'll see so many back shoulder throws from Carter Adams. that I think the targets will be closer than you think they will be to what he's done in the past. I think he's going to have big numbers again this year. Yeah, I mean, if the office line stinks and they can't run the ball, I guess it'll be throwing, probably be the most throwingest team in the league. So I guess he might, might be up there. It might be a lot of like receiver screen passes or even tight end screen passes. Just like, let me get the ball out quick, get it into Renfro, Adams, Waller's hands, and just try to make some plays. All right. Speaking of receivers, last question here before we get out of here from Alexander Z says he's so happy to have State of the Nation back. Do you think the Raiders are set at wide receiver three after Adams and Renfro with Hollins, Robinson, and Cole? Or do you see them going after any of the remaining free agents like OBJ or Landry? I was surprised they let Edwards go. Why do you think they let him go after he showed some flashes? And do you agree it was the right decision? I would go get Odell Beckham, but like... I understand if they feel like they don't need to. I think, you know, Keelan Cole and Demarcus Robinson, they're both like solid receivers that have some inside-outside versatility and so they can play around with their alignments and moving Devontae Adams inside or outside or Hunter Renfro inside and outside. Matt Collins is more of a big-body red zone guy. You know, Tyron Johnson, I think he's going to be a fringe roster guy, but if he makes the roster, he has like 4-2, speed. He could be that deep field burner to kind of mix things up. So I think they have a pretty deep receiving, receiving core, even though everything obviously revolves around Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro. Um, in terms of Brian Edwards, I mean, he would show flashes here and there. You know, if they were in overtime, he would just have a random 30-yard catch, but he was never consistent. He struggled to separate downfield, and, and he didn't have much versatility in terms of where he, he would line up on the field. And so... I think they prefer that combination of, of Keelan Cole and, and Demarcus Robinson, and it's probably probably the right move. I mean, you got they got some some sort of pick back for that, didn't they? So they got a fifth yeah, rounder back. It's, so. it's surprising they cut him after he was getting compared to Terrell Owens and Randy Moss in, in off season. I mean, so I'm gone. <laughs> and you, you didn't mention uh, Vic's boy Dylan Stoner. He, he he's in a mix too. No, he's not. But, I mean, you know. <laughs> I, got, I got a new guy. My guy's Mac Hollins. I think Mac Hollins is faster than people think he is. I think he'll be fine as that next guy on, on the receiving depth chart. I think um, they probably won't make a move. I think Cole's also a good good veteran receiver who can come in and make some catches. So I, think they're, I think they're pretty much set there. As far as Edwards goes, I think, like we mentioned earlier, coaching staffs come in and they know what they like, what they don't like. Look at their roster. They watch film. That guy is a good guy. That guy, maybe that guy's a no I think clearly they thought that guy's not, not for us. So I think they kind of um, made the move pretty quickly. And uh, like we said, he showed flashes, but he also had some drops and disappeared at times. So I think it's the new staff, you make these, you know, these, these judgment calls, and clearly he was a guy they thought was not, not their guy. All right, Vic, we need to get clarity. Because two years ago, you called Nelson Aguilar as your guy. He broke out, got a yes. contract from the Patriots. Last year, you, you called Zay Jones. Wasn't going to have, you know, to the same degree, but like he's going to have a good year. He had a solid year, and he got paid a crap ton of money by the Jags. So you're, you're saying Matt Collins, is he going to be Nelson Aguilar, or is he going to be Zay Jones? What, what, where, where on the Aguilar-Jones scale is Matt Collins going to be your guy? They have these top three guys who are going to get most of the ball. So I'll say for Matt Collins, he'll double his career highs. Whatever his career highs were so far in the league, he will double those as far as catches, yards, and touchdowns. Touchdowns, though, because then I get four one year. So I won't say. Let's discover what that would say, be. I won't say eight. Right, we're, we're, pull, we're pulling pull up the up. career highs pull here. 
Pull it up. We are career high catches is sixteen, okay. so he would need thirty two catches. Done. Two hundred two hundred twenty six. So that's uh, what. Four hundred fifty-two. Check and eight touchdowns. I don't think that's happening. That's what I'm not sure about that one. He'll match that. He'll match that, right? Four touchdowns. So we're gonna thirty-two catches, four hundred fifty-two yards, four touchdowns. Book it. If they can go to your sports book and make a bet in that, book it. That's easy money. All right, guys. Well, that's where we're gonna leave off here. Raiders get going. Training camp. They report on July twentieth. First practice July twenty-first. We'll be back probably sometime after the first week of camp to kind of break down what we've seen so far, get you guys ready for the Hall of Fame game on August 4th when they take on the Jaguars and uh, get you ready for this season. Uh, Training camp should be fun, should be exciting, uh, and we'll see how the Raiders can do getting ready for uh, the 2022 season. Thanks for listening. Uh, Enjoy training camp, and God bless you. Later, guys. All right, y'all. Peace. Hey. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.